Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the TF1 podcast. This is your host, Trey. This is the Italian GP review. This is the Ferrari heist in Monza. So let's get right into it. Let's go. So welcome back, everybody. We have another back-to-back race weekend. This is the Monza track that a lot of us love, including myself, um, usually referred to as basically the temple of speed. Um, There's so much speed that the drivers carry. A lot of times this has been traditionally a track that, you know, it's difficult to make passes on, but at the same time, it's produced some really interesting races. And uh, like I said, the acceleration and the speed around this track is one of, you know, one of the fastest in F1. So this is a track that we love, most of us, and we've been looking forward to this weekend. It's also the final race weekend before we have a break. It's uh, the final part of the back-to-back European races. So it has a, you know, a lot of significance. Of course, you know, one of the main factors um, is the home race of Ferrari. And, you know, the, the, the Tifosi, as, as they're well known, always come out in support. There's high numbers. They're very enthusiastic. So I usually always really like the atmosphere in Italy and and they're really hardcore passionate fans. So a lot to look forward to, a lot to break down. Like I typically do, let's go ahead and start off with qualifying and just Friday practice. So we already at the beginning of this weekend, we were getting used to the fact that you're going to have a lot of teams that are going to take engine penalties. Okay. So between Friday and Saturday qualifying, you kind of had in the back of your mind, there is going to be plenty of teams up and down the grid. So as an example, Max and the Red Bull, um, it's going to be Hamilton and the Mercedes, which, you know, Mercedes has had the least. This is actually the first grid penalty that they had to take for an engine change, which tells you a lot about the kind of reliability they've been carrying this season, you know, unlike Red Bull and Ferrari that have had to do multiple engine changes so far. Uh, Mercedes hasn't had to do that. So this is the first one they they had to go ahead and do an engine change on. So you already knew there's a very good chance, you know, Lewis Hamilton is going to start from the back of the grid. Okay. So you had that backdrop. And uh, another notable factor on Friday for practice is Nick DeVries um, was in the Austin Martin in FP1, uh, he's doing some testing. Now, keep in mind, Nick DeVries, which I will get into later uh, in detail about the kind of weekend he had. For people who are not aware, so Nick DeVries is in a really unique situation in the fact that he's not just a reserve driver for one team, okay? This is a, a really experienced guy, and like I said to you guys, I'll do a detailed breakdown. I'll get to this a little bit later in the show, but Nick DeVries actually does multiple roles, so as well as helping Austin Martin out, um, he is also Williams' race uh, uh, reserve race driver, He also does duties for Mercedes. Um, As you can imagine, when I say these teams, keep in the back of your mind, there's one thing in common, right? Mercedes 
engines, right? They're all Mercedes customers. He is actually affiliated with the Mercedes team, the Mercedes AMG team. So yeah, keep that in the back of your mind. So he was in FP1 testing. And so you have that backdrop uh, on Friday. Now, Saturday, like I said, when it comes to uh, qualifying, so I'll give you the results of qualifying. Like I said, I always set that uh, set that up before we go into the race analysis. Now, on Saturday, something unforeseen happened at Williams, and I don't think a lot of us were were aware at the time. At least I weren't. But Albon, um, the Williams driver, has actually gotten sick, um, and he had appendicitis. So that's a pretty, pretty serious condition. And our prayers go out to to him and a speedy recovery. From reports that I saw today, they said he has he had initial complications after the surgery, which was really unfortunate. But they said everything is okay now, and um, he has he has now uh, been stable enough, I believe, to be released uh, from the hospital. So that's really good news. Like I said, um, just. You know, our prayers go out to him, but I'm glad to see everything is okay. So reason why I mentioned that, of course, is there had to be a stand in because of the the medical condition uh, and sickness of Albon. So Nick DeVries, who I just said to you guys did duties on Friday for Austin Martin, now had to jump in into the Williams, completely different car, completely different configuration on the steering wheel. And he was the stand-in guy with that short notice to go ahead and do qualifying and to also do the race, okay? So you talk about being busy. He went from just a, the a regular schedule of testing for Austin Martin on Friday to be actually called in to do a qualifying in a race. And, and that's not something that he was trained or, you know, uh, prepared for. This was just a last minute need that came up. Okay. So qualifying ensues. So once qualifying was done, um, you know, Ferrari with, with Leclerc, of course, Ferrari have their, their car has been really well suited for qualifying this year. I've given them, you know, that kudos in past shows as well. So you can imagine how happy the Tafosi were that their their hometown guy uh, Leclerc in the Ferrari was able to get pulled. So now the thing that got really tricky, and I said this at the beginning of the show, was you have a lot of teams that had grid penalties. So after the race ended, th- there was a very prolonged time, much more than usual. While the FIA was um, applying the grid penalty, so uh, until the media in F1, until they can post the official grid, uh, provisional grid, it, it, it actually took quite a while. But the final grid was Leclerc in first place, Russell, who would slot into second with all the grid penalties, and then Lando Norris from McLaren slotted third. Okay. So you now have that provisional quality grid. So now let's look at the race, okay? Uh, This weekend, the F1 paddock, because of the loss to Queen Elizabeth, uh, we send out our prayers, of course, to her family. 
they paid their respects. And once they did that, they were getting ready for the race. Okay. Now you got to keep in mind, even though we have the provisional grid, of course, all eyes are on Max Verstappen because we know how rapid that car is under him. We know what kind of moves he can make. And so you can pretty much say all eyes are on him. Now he's starting at P7 because of his penalties. Okay. So once the race started, um, within you talk about like a speedy, speedy, just an unbelievable, uh, mark of a start by literally P4, he was already in the top three. So that is how fast, uh, Max was gaining up the field. I mean, for you to make that kind of progress that fast, uh, was really unbelievable. So you have the race going on and, uh, you know, of course you try to keep in mind, okay, what are the tire strategies going to be? Because you may have a safety car, are people going for a one-stop, two-stop, you know, so this is always the interesting thing with races. So on lap 12, uh, Sebastian Vettel in the Austin Martin, he had a DNF. Okay. So when that happened with the VSC, now that gave an opportunity for us to see kind of the first, uh, you know, behind the curtain of what kind of strategy people are, uh, you know, teams and drivers are going to do. So at that point you had Leclerc who pitted, he went from the softs to mediums. Okay. Now Verstappen went ahead, he extended his uh, first stint and then on lap 26, he went ahead and switched to the mediums. Okay. So when he did that, of course, that now handed the lead back to Leclerc. Okay. So you have that going on. And then on lap 33, you had Leclerc. He pitted for a second time again to soft tires. Now, you know, we've, we've questioned Ferrari's strategy many, many times. So you kind of have a raised eyebrow there because that's on lap 33. That's still quite a while until the end of the race, but at least for a short time, he had a tire advantage. Okay. So you, you can see that change happening. Now, as the race is going on and, you know, you see good progress happening from a couple of drivers in the back. And there's two notable ones that I want to mention to you guys. So as this is going on, um, Carlos Sainz, because of his penalties, he was one of those drivers that was, that were affected. He started from P18 and you kind of saw a really steady, strong f- uh, performance from Carlos Sainz. So he was steadily moving up the field. Um, he was making really good passes. And, you know, that's always the, the conundrum that you have starting from the back, whether you're Lewis Hamilton, whether you're Carlos Sainz. The thing is, you have to go through a lot of traffic. You have to pass a lot of cars and you have to do it without getting tangled up with anybody, um, you know, either affecting your tires or actually ending your race. Okay, that is the minefield. And that's the risk when you start from the back. So Carlos Sainz was actually making really good uh, progress and he was moving his his uh, way up. Okay. 
another driver that was, you know, that we had our eyes on that was moving up was I told you guys, Lewis Hamilton, because of grid penalties, was starting from the back. He started from P19. And so uh, the beginning, the beginning couple of laps, he, he was a little bit stuck. Uh, you can say almost kind of in a DRS train. But as the race ensued and it, it carried on, you can see that now Hamilton was having really good pace. Uh, he was making some really good moves, passing cars ahead of him. Um, there was one, I don't know if you guys had a chance to catch it or not. There was one amazing pass that he did where he overtook two cars. One of those cars was Lando, uh, and I believe Gasly may have been the second car, but yes, in fact, I, I am sure it's the second car. So he literally pulled the maneuver off where he took both of them in one swoop. So that is vintage uh, Hamilton for you, just making those passes, uh, making sure that he's also judging the tires. Uh, at a certain point in the race, <clears throat> um, race engineer did come on, Bono did come on and tell him that uh, he had to lift a little bit just to make sure that temperatures were pretty, were pretty stable. And um, so he had that, but he was making really, really good progress. Okay. So we come to a point now on, uh, we're getting to lap 48. And what happens is the McLaren of Daniel Ricardo. Now he has immediate issues and he's on the radio. Uh, what has happened is, um, I believe he had oil pressure issues. And so he, he had to park immediately to the side of the track. So that is now, you know, a situation where you have the safety car. Now the the folks at the at the track, the the uh, marshals and everything, they tried to go ahead because of where it was situated. The McLaren had stopped between the area called the Lesmos, and they had tried to go ahead, but they were not able to properly move the car. And so now you have an issue because the, the safety car is now out. Okay. So what that is doing is now this through another, uh, another opportunity for the teams to think about what they want to do under the safety car. So, you know, Verstappen kind of has a slim, um, kind of a slim lead, but don't forget you have Leclerc. And so you have, you know, these two, these two drivers right behind. So now you have the option. Do you want to go ahead and, and change it or not? You know, so as this is happening, excuse me, as this is happening, now keep in mind, Carlos Sainz, you know, who I told you guys was making really good progress uh, he has now, you know, he was on medium tires. Okay. So he's on there on medium tires and he's worked his, his way up all the way from P18 to now P4, which, which is a really huge achievement. Okay. Now, uh, Lewis Hamilton and I, you know, I mentioned to you guys, the two guys that made a really unbelievable progress up the field, 
uh, Lewis Hamilton, who started 19th, he was now slotting in fifth position. That's actually where he ended up. So when you had uh, these two drivers, like I said, that had really amazing drives, the main thing now you're looking at is, like I said, under the safety car, because they were not able to move the car, now you're trying to see, okay, what is the FIA going to do? Okay, because race control now has a decision to make. Now there's the safety aspect of it, but you, you know, you also, of course, you want to follow the rules and you want to employ what is the correct thing to do now. So what the FIA finally decided to do, and you had, you know, a couple of teams that decided at the end to, to come in and, and change the tires. I mean, I mean as we'll see at, at the end of the day, that actually didn't make a difference because you had Russell and the team who went in and went in for soft tires, which I thought was, you know, a really good decision just in case racing ensued again. Um, but now FIA has a decision, like I said. And one aspect of the decision, of course, is safety because you still had ricardo's mclaren over there but uh, the other side of it and i think it's the conclusion that um a lot of experts reached after the end instead of race control doing what they did and they finally ended up um finishing the race they ended up finishing the race under the safety car what i think would have been a much, much better solution was, you know, instead of kind of taking the racing out of it, it made it very anticlimactic, you know, anticlimactic. Um, and it also, let's face it, it robbed the fans, you know, the, the thousands of fans that were there in, you know, on the track and the, the thousands and millions that are watching on TV, those of us that are watching uh, you wanted to see an exciting end to this race. Obviously, we know how fast and in command uh, Max has been with that Red Bull, the kind of speed and consistency that car has. But you had Charles Leclerc, who and Russell, by the way, who would have it would have been really nice to give them an opportunity to see what could have happened. You never know. Do I think the outcome would have been different? Well, ultimately even compared to Charles Leclerc, the Red Bull had the upper hand. I, I think we know that under the, under the hands of Max, the Red Bull had the upper hand, but that's not the point. You know, the point is what could have happened? What kind of racecraft? You never know if Charles Leclerc maybe would have been able to do a last minute maneuver. Can Russell maybe move up to second place? You, you just never know these things. So what I think would have been the right technique and tactic to for the FIA to apply was if race control could have applied a, a red flag okay once they deemed hey usually we're able you know to move that immobilized car for Ricardo but in this case because of different reasons they the marshals weren't able to do that and you know the marshals always do a really good job at these tracks so had they be had they been able to do a red flag what they could have done is now they could have done a standing restart okay 
So for the last three laps, they could have had a standing restart. And then there was a, there's going to be a thrilling race to the finish, you know? So that would have been, I think, um, a great solution that would have really pleased those of us fans and the, like I said, the, the sold out crowd that was there, the Tifosi at, at the, at the track, I think that would have been, uh, a much more better outcome. But unfortunately, you know, that's not, that's not what the FIA did and race control did. And, you know, one, one take that is out there after that is because of what happened in Dubai last year, uh, that disastrous decision, wrong decision that was made. Uh, now the FIA are being very cautious in order to apply the rules. Well, I, I, I get that and I understand that. But like I said, I think this alternative of having the standing restart would have been um uh, would have been a better solution. But anyway, that's going to be a learning lesson. Uh, from my understanding, uh, there were certain team principals, including the head of Red Bull, Christian Horner, who said, um, even though they were the winners, you know, he would have much preferred um, that there was racing at the end. And so I believe from what I understand, the team principals are going to be speaking to the FBI, uh, to the FIA, excuse me, we might as well get the FBI involved to the FIA about this. And, uh, you know, we'll see if they make a change to this or not. Okay. So that was the conclusion of the race to you, uh, to you. But I touched on uh, the beginning of the podcast. So during the race, you had some really notable performances, and one of them was Nick DeVries. And I told you guys at the beginning, I'm, I'm going to do a detailed breakdown. Um, so this young man, keep in mind, who was basically told last minute to be filling in the Williams role to do qualifying and to go ahead and to, to race for Williams uh, because of Albon's sickness, Without any preparation, without doing anything, first off on Saturday, let's talk about qualifying. Nick DeVries, a driver who has not even prepared to qualify for the Williams, he out-qualified Latifi, the actual driver of the car, the Williams car that he's been driving for two, three years. He out-qualified the other driver in that car. I mean, it, guys, I, I, I'm, you know, there's been a lot of criticism on, on Latifi and we all understand nice guy, but it doesn't seem like he's been on par to be an F1. That has been a lot of people's sentiments. He's not a driver I've talked about a lot, but we really, really see the deficiency in his driving, especially compared to other other drivers. And you know, for an outside driver without any preparation to come in and actually out-qualify you was was a very tough and embarrassing thing to happen to Latifi, Latifi excuse me. So um, that was the first outstanding job Nick DeVries, uh, Nick DeVries did. And then now you add in on Sunday's race, what this 27-year-old did to start from where he did and he actually finished in the points in p9 okay 
I, I can't tell you guys how impressive that is because he joins a very short list of drivers that on their Formula One debut were able to score points and be in P9. And, and not only, you know, to score points, the thing you have to underline that I've said repeatedly on here is the other drivers for teams that have, you know, been in their first race and they've been able to finish points, as impressive as it is, those drivers were trained. Those drivers knew the car. Those drivers had prepared. Those drivers had practice runs in, in the cars they were in. Nick DeVries did not even have any of those luxuries. He was literally given the call on a Saturday to do this. So uh, that is extremely, extremely impressive. And he had uh, he had been voted actually the driver of the day um, after the race, which I think is 110 percent deserved. Uh, for for those of you that are listening and wondering, but okay, who is this Nick DeVries, you know, guy? Like, what what's the deal with him? Well, I want to let you guys know, just again, for people not familiar, this is a very well accomplished young man. So Nick DeVries was an F2 champion. Uh, he was also a Formula E champion. Again, he's a Mercedes driver, Mercedes Junior driver. So. I mean, you're talking about a very talented young man who's now in F1 and he showed this weekend, uh, boy, you talk about (laughs) the best thing to have on your resume to prove to other teams for 2023. He could not have aced this race better. I mean, he, he did a 10 out of 10. He did an amazing job. And I don't know if some of you guys listening had a chance to see this, but his body was so spent after the race. I I mean, this young man gave so much. He could not actually get out of the car. He was on the radio and he told the team, I'm literally I'm, I'm out of juice. I'm completely it's hard for me to move my hands. And so he was strapped in. There was a driver and I can't remember which driver it was that came over to the car and congratulated him. This was while he was sitting down. But because of the radio message that he sent, like a Williams uh, uh, technician, a Williams guy from the garage had to actually come and assist him to get out of the car. So, you know, I don't know, like I said, how many of you guys had seen that, but imagine, can you imagine you've exerted so much that he was not even able to exit the car in his own power? He had to get assistance to actually um, hold on and, and get out of the car, be helped to get out of the car. So, boy, I, I yeah, I really, really, uh, have to say that's an amazing performance from him. So big kudos. I wanted to break that down. I mentioned to you guys just the really fantastic drive that Carlos Sainz had to finally finish uh, fourth from P18. I mentioned also Lewis from 19th to end up in P5. Um, you know, McLaren had a really tough race. Uh, Lando was not happy finishing in P7. Um, they had too many mistakes. Of course, we covered Ricardo being out with it, you know, with, with his vehicle. 
Um, Alpine, that's another team that had high hopes, but uh, towards the middle of the race, um, Alonso was on on uh, the radio. I believe they had deployment issues, so really missed opportunities for Alpine. And um, finally, just to you know to kind of cap off everything before I even get uh, to the final race classification. Austin Martin had a horrible weekend, guys. I really had a horrible weekend from the car issues that had Sebastian Vettel, um, you know, uh, finish, I mean, not finish, but uh, exit the race at P12. So that's kind of beginning of the race. Um, The car doesn't look good. The performance doesn't look good. And as we've talked about in the last couple of uh, podcasts, you know, this is a team that Alonso is bolting from Alpine to go to Aston Martin. So, yeah, each week that is going by, you you almost have uh, have to question if this is going to be a decision that Alonso is going to regret. But anyway, we're not going to find that out, you know, until obviously, you know, next year comes along and we kind of see maybe possibly if they've made any progress. But like I said, it it really, at the end of the day, will make you scratch your head, you know, if this was the most wise thing to do. So, yeah. So uh, another I don't want to say disappointment because Leclerc finished second uh, and, of course, Carlos Sainz finished P4. But, you know, in their home race, it would have been really nice for Ferrari to have nabbed a victory with Charles Leclerc. He did qualify on the number one spot. But it, it, it just seems right now that Max and Red Bull are just have a stranglehold on on this championship. You know, the pace of that car, the way Max is driving, I, it's, it's just very hard to imagine um, anything that's going to upend that, anything that's going to destabilize that. I, I don't know what that's going to be, but they look extremely formidable right now. So... You had the race results, as I mentioned. Max, of course, in first place. Leclerc, uh, Leclerc in Ferrari for second, and Russell, who, by the way, did another outstanding job again for Mercedes. The um, podium finish. He did say at the beginning of the race, his uh, aim is he knows he has faster cars around him between the Red Bull and Ferrari, but he wanted to at least keep a podium position. So. Kudos to him. Another fantastic drive. You got to give Hamilton uh, uh, big kudos as well. Like I said, fighting fighting uh, from all the way back to go ahead and finish P5. That's a, that's a really strong performance. So, yeah, that was your Monza race for you. Again, I, you know, I called the title the Ferrari heist because... Um, yeah, there was just a heist on the team. It's just a takeover. They they cannot seem to be able to untangle from the Red Bull and Max stronghold. And, and so in their home soil, even though they qualified in the P1 spot, the heist from Max happened yet again. All right. Well, that concludes our race analysis. As always, I want to thank each and every one of you from different parts of the globe to be listening to the TF1 podcast. I look forward to speaking to you guys soon. Again, uh, the Twitter page for TF1 podcast is always active. And um, I thank you again. And I will see you next time. Take care.